Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning, to be able to gather together and worship the one that's worthy of all praise. Amen. I'm so glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I've experienced what he's done for me in my life. But you see, the catch to that is this. Once you've experienced it, it then obligates you to share that with the world, that others can also experience the very same thing and that they can experience that for themselves personally as they become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. We do count it a privilege to represent to you the nation of Madagascar. Uh, we, we've got a little... PowerPoint presentation we'll be showing you as we give you information about the work that we're doing and especially about what the Lord's doing over in Madagascar. It's exciting to be a part of that and just to, to be blessed to serve the Lord in that capacity and working in the country of Madagascar. You can go ahead and put that, that PowerPoint up. Is it playing? There we go. We are the Richardson family. Uh, there's actually four of us, Chris, Paula, Rache, our daughter is with us, and our son, Jared, we're actually letting him uh, spend a day with his grandpa. Well, this next week, we had an off week, so we're going to spend a, a little bit of time like all the other tourists that come down to Florida. We're going we're gonna to be in Orlando for the week, and my, my folks are coming down, and my dad actually drove down a little bit early, and so my son's with him. But we're glad to have our daughter, Rache, with us. She just finished her first year of college. And so most of this uh, travel so far that we've done, she hasn't been with us, but we're glad to have her with us just for a, a brief time while she chose to, to travel a little bit with us. Uh, next, we'll show you a picture of our family of four that was taken just a few months ago in the, in the fall season. And we are working in the country of Madagascar. Now, I don't know why, but as I travel, I find that Evidently, one of our weak subjects in school must be geography because people just really don't know where things are located. They know where they're at and, you know, that which is directly around them. But then, of course, there's a few I wonder if they really know where they're at or not. But that which is directly around them, they know. But when you start talking about countries on the other side of the world, they don't know. So the next slide will show you where Madagascar is located. It's circled there in red. It's an island off the southeastern coast of Africa. And a way to explain how to get there is you leave here and you start heading east, southeast. And you will get to the Atlantic Ocean before too long. And when you get there, then you just cross right across the Atlantic Ocean till you get to mainland Africa. Then you cross all the way across mainland Africa till you get to the Indian Ocean. Then go about another 250 miles, 300 miles out into the Indian Ocean and you will have arrived at the island of Madagascar. Another way to explain where that is, it's just about as far as you can get from here. <laughs> now, I did say it's an island, but don't let that fool you. 
That's deceptive because a lot of times when we think about an island, we've got this mental picture of something small. But the next slide will show you Madagascar is just a little bit under four times larger than the entire state of Florida. So it's a big place. And it has a population of about 23 million people. The next slide shows you that, which makes it just a, you know, a little bit more populous than Florida. So we've got a, a lot of space to spread our people out, a little bit more than Florida does. Uh, so it's a big place with a lot of people, but we're excited about what the Lord's doing there and the revival that's taking place in that country. The church there is one of the great success stories of the missions endeavor of the United Pentecostal Church International. Our church there, just in the month of February, celebrated 44 years from the beginning of that work. And it was my grandparents who originally felt the call to go to Madagascar. They felt that call in the early 1960s, but when they approached the missions board and said, God's called us to go to Madagascar, the board said, well, that's, that's great, but we're not quite ready to send anybody there yet. Would you go work in the Philippines instead? And they agreed, and they went to the Philippines with their, their four children, and labored there for about five years, and then they came back to the States, went before the missions board again, and this time it was the missions board asking them, do you still want to go to Madagascar because we're ready to send someone there now? And they said, yes, we do. So the next slide will show you a picture of my, my grandparents with their two youngest children uh, as they prepared to leave for Madagascar. Next slide there. That's all right, it's coming. This would have been in June of, of 1969 as they prepared to head to Madagascar. And once they got there, they got off the plane. They went through passport control. They went through baggage claim. They went through all, all the different things, the complications of getting into a new country. And when they walked out of the, the, the baggage claim area, there wasn't anybody waiting on them. Because there still was no church in Madagascar. They didn't know anybody, no contacts whatsoever. They just knew that's where God had called them. So they got in a cab, went and found a hotel to stay in. From there began to look for a home to live in. And they did this with a language barrier. Because in Madagascar they do not speak English. They have their own language. It's called Malagasy. It's the only place in the world that that language is spoken. So they actually had to wait till they got to Madagascar to begin to study the Malagasy language. But once they got there, found a house to live in, began to study the language, after about six months of language study, they had learned enough of the basics to attempt to start having church. So in February of 1970, they opened up the garage of the home that they were renting, they had converted that garage into a makeshift church, and they started having church. And from that point on, the church in Madagascar has been growing and seeing revival. Uh, the next slide will show you kind of how my grandpa would study the language. There in the top left-hand corner, he'd get his English Bible and his Malagasy Bible side by side there. He'd have notes in English, and then he'd have some blank paper and try to figure out how to write notes in this new language that he was learning. And they said he really never quite got it all right. Uh, he had a huge vocabulary of biblical terms just due to the fact of the way he really studied the language. But the problem was he didn't have a very good pronunciation. So he'd get up and he'd preach and he'd use these words, but they didn't understand but about half of what he was saying. Fortunately, he gave enough scripture and they could read, read in their Bibles along with him. And they could understand enough of what he was saying, figure out what it was he was saying. And then they said when he preached and the anointing of the Holy Ghost was upon him, 
You know, he finished preaching. They were without doubt. They had heard the truth. And they would come to the altar, repent of their sins, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost as they accepted this truth that they heard. Amen. Praise God. Uh, you know, what? one of the things that happened after they got the, the original church going, they realized, you know, you can't just do one church. You, you've got to do more churches. And so the next slide will show you another one of our earlier churches uh, that was started in the, in the beginning phases of that work. And then, of course, watch Church Without Baptism. The next slide shows you in the beginning they would baptize them in the little creek and then uh, later on they were able to actually build a, a little baptismal tank behind their house and they'd baptize them there in that baptismal tank and people would get the Holy Ghost in the water and, and it was just wonderful to see the beginnings of that work. But then after being there for a few years they were finally able to find a piece of property and actually a building already in existence that they could purchase to use for their headquarters church. And the next slide will show you that. Uh, they purchased this in 1973. Originally, this was used as a truck garage to service big 18-wheeler type trucks. And so they purchased this. It was way larger than anything that they needed at that time. But their vision was the day would come that this big building would be full. And so they, they were, you know, a lot of extra space in the beginning, but they began to reach out and the church began to grow. And Thank the Lord the day of that building being full came. And then it came again. And then it came again because they've gone through different expansions of that building over the years. Once it finally got too full, they went and my dad led a project. They took out the back wall, extended it out uh, quite a ways that way and put multi-level worth of Sunday school and, and added a balcony to increase the seating. And then a few years ago, the pastor of that church took out then the side wall and expanded out just as far as we could on our property there. We were already at the extremes on these two walls, but expanded out as far as we could there, extended the balcony on around, increased the seating capacity of that building. And so now we have a building that will seat about 2,000 people, and it's full every Sunday as people gather and worship the Lord in that headquarters church. So it's a blessing to see something that was purchased, you know, 41 years ago, still playing a very vital role in the church today, as that is our headquarters church. And another thing my grandpa realized is that to truly reach Madagascar, he couldn't do it by himself. He was only one person, and there's only so much that one person can do. But he would need to train others. And so the next slide shows you one of the early uh, training sessions that he would have. Of course, his goal was to start a Bible school and to actually have a full-fledged Bible school, but it takes a while to get enough books and lesson material translated and printed in this new language to actually have a, a legitimate Bible school. So until he could get that going, he would have training sessions there in the, the headquarters church, and those would come in and they'd, be, they'd study and be trained, and several of these were ended up being pastors, and a number of them actually went to the Bible school once that opened a few years later, and he would give them what they needed to, to reach Madagascar with the gospel. Then after laboring alone for about six years, in 1976, some reinforcements arrived. And that was missionaries Jerry and Vicki Richardson, that's my parents, along with their two young children, Chris and Jerry, that's myself and my sister. And the next slide will show you what we looked like back then. I'm that little blonde-headed boy standing there in the front, back in 1976. 
And when we got there, my parents began to work alongside with my grandparents and focus on new things that could be done to further grow that church. And then after I graduated from high school, I came back to the States, went to Bible College in Houston, Texas, graduated from TBC. Then in 1994, my wife and I went back to Madagascar on the Associates and Missions Program. And the next slide will just kind of show you, this was actually from 1996, but when we went there in 1994, it was just the two of us. And then our daughter, Rache, was born in Madagascar while we were there on the AIM program. Our son, Jared, was born in St. Louis after we came back for our first deputation. And that's hard to believe. It's been 20 years. Now, I know we don't look old enough to have been missionaries for 20 years. But it's the truth. We've been working over there for 20 years from 1994 to 2014. But then when you see what the Lord has done, the next slide will show you a picture of people praying in the altar. And I want you to know that's just preachers and wives. Our church has grown to the point today where we have right at 900 churches scattered around that island, 900 licensed ministers pastoring those churches, and somewhere around 200,000 believers in this wonderful truth. So we thank the Lord for what's happening in Madagascar. Amen. I know some people, when they hear figures like 900 churches, 200,000 believers, they're just like, wow, that's phenomenal. What else do you want? And I guess it's pretty good, but not nearly good enough. Because all you have to do is compare 200,000 to a population of 23 million. And then you realize we have not even reached 1% yet. 99 plus percent of Madagascar is still lost. And they still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's why we're committed to going back and to doing everything that we can to ensure that others will hear the gospel and that they will have their lives changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to ask my wife to come and to greet you, give you a little bit more information about some of the things that we're involved in, the work we're doing there, and also share with you some ways that you can connect with us. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I admit when the alarm went off this morning, I wasn't quite so happy, but I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord now. <laughs> Feeling a lot better than I did at whatever time that was. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord and just to worship and magnify Him. It almost feels like home this morning, and um, I just love worshiping the Lord. He's worthy of praise, and um, it's just an honor to be with you on this special day. And we do give honor to those who have served in the military or a family of those who have served or are serving now. And just thankful for America. I've been in a lot of countries, visited a lot of places, and even though America has some issues, of course, um, it's still the greatest place on earth, and I love my country, I love America, and I'm proud to be American, amen, I'm very proud to be American, and also just to give honor um, to those, I was thinking as we begin to worship um, yesterday um, in Tennessee, actually in Murfreesboro, well, I guess the funeral wasn't actually in Murfreesboro, but one of our missionaries passed away uh, last week, one of our a young single um, missionary, uh, she was about my age, so early 40s, and she had been sick for a few weeks in Jordan over in the Middle East, and she passed away, and her funeral was yesterday. And so as I was beginning to worship and the Spirit of the Lord was moving, I was just and thinking about 
those of on the military side who have given their lives and then those in the gospel who have given their lives um, we are blessed to be here this morning and many who would love to change places with us or be able to worship to be able to sing and lift their hands maybe they can't because of of wounds or because of different things that's happened and so i'm just thankful to be here today i'm not in a hospital i'm not somewhere wherever i'm here and i'm free to worship and magnify the lord and he's worthy of praise amen Amen. But it's just an honor to represent to you Madagascar. Um, like my husband explained, it's a long way from here. Uh, but we do feel a little bit more at home when we're in Florida. At least there's palm trees and uh, fruit and things that almost make us feel like we're at home. Some of the flowers and stuff in Florida remind us of, of Madagascar. I'm dropping stuff here. But, um, well, I'll get it later. But um, it is a joy to represent to you Madagascar, the land of the lemurs. And so the next picture will show you. Um, one of our famous creatures, uh, when you start talking about Africa, people start thinking about lions and giraffes and elephants and those things. We don't have any of those in Madagascar, uh, but we do have the lemur, and that's our monkey-like animal that's found in Madagascar, and there's lots of different kinds of them. If you've been to a zoo here in the States, you may have seen a, a lemur. Often we find them here in the zoos, but uh, that's our claim to fame. We also have crocodiles. We don't have alligators, but we do have crocodiles and a few other creature creatures and bugs and whatever. We won't talk about those. Um, but Madagascar is a mixture of um, African and Asian cultures. The first immigrants who came many years ago were actually of Asian descent. And then through the years, the African culture has mixed in with that. And so now it's a combination of the two. And uh, the people there are very friendly. Uh, they're very open to us as Americans. So we're able to live there freely, work and move and talk about the gospel and preach the gospel. So we're thankful for that, that we are able to do that. Um, Madagascar is a poor country, and just to give you an idea of how poor it is, minimum wage in Madagascar is about a dollar a day. So a full-time job will get you about $30, $35 a month. So they don't have a lot of money, a very simple lifestyle. Many of them are farmers. Many of them are doing what they can, living off the land, provide for their families. Um, but they're very hardworking people, very happy people. Um, so I think there's a lesson in that for us. Sometimes, you know, we have all this stuff, but sometimes that stuff becomes more of a burden than a blessing because you got to pay for it. But um, Malagasy's are very happy people, very hardworking people. Uh, one of the questions we get asked, a lot while we're traveling is what do they eat in Madagascar? For some reason, we always think about food. Pastor's already been talking about food this morning, so now we're all hungry. Um, but um, this is what they eat in Madagascar. They eat rice three times a day if they can afford it. Uh, if they can't, they'll eat it as much as they can. Sometimes they'll just eat rice by itself. Sometimes, as you see here, they'll have a little something to go along with it. And this is one of their favorites, one of our favorites. It's a pork and bean mixture that they do. Very good. Much better than anything you get out of a can here in the States. Um, but now we don't eat rice three times a day. We can we can get a lot of the same uh, meats and fruits and vegetables there that we're accustomed to here in the States. In fact, yesterday we stopped along the side of the road and bought us some fruit. We were quite happy with our with our finds. And um, lots of great fruit and vegetables in Madagascar, fresh year-round because of the climate. And uh, so we can eat a fairly normal American diet if it's something that can be made from scratch because we can get your basic ingredients there. But um, we're just excited about the revival 
is taking place and what's happening there. It's exciting to be a part of it and to see as the work has just begun to grow in the last few years, especially we've had every year there's been anywhere between 20,000 and 25,000 filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, there was a conference in our capital, uh, the central region where the capital city is, and they had over 1,400 filled with the Holy Ghost in that conference. This week, there's a conference happening in the north part of the island starting t- Tuesday, I guess it'll start. And um, so we're believing God for another great conference. It's kind of our camp meeting season two, I guess you could say. And so those will be taking place in the next few weeks. But as far as our ministry in Madagascar, we don't um, pastor a church. We have the national pastors that pastor local congregations. But we work with this team of leadership, as you see here. Uh, seated across the front is our general board. And then standing behind them with my husband are the different departmental leaders. And our church there is organized a lot like church here in the States. We have men's ministry, ladies' ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry, home missions, farm missions, um, compassionate ministries, printing. Those are all things that we are working with, traveling across the island. Uh, There's always a conference or a seminar or teacher training, youth camp, Bible quizzing. All those things are going on there. And so we work with this team of leaders, a great great group that we are very privileged to work with. And it's just a joy to be a part of, of the things that's going on in Madagascar. Now, the Bible school is probably our greatest area of involvement. As my husband explained, it was began very early in the work. They established the Bible school and just continued to work with it through the years. And so the next slide shows a picture of my husband teaching in a class. Our Bible school is very focused on those who feel a call of God on their life to be a pastor or an evangelist. And they can come and study for two years at our Bible school. They're married. Their wife will come with them. We have classes for the wives as well. And um, it's just been very instrumental in giving a foundation of the word among our ministers there and so it's a joy to see as they graduate the next picture will show you a recent graduating class and every year we have between 35 and 40 graduates and then they go out and begin pastoring churches spread out all over that island and um, so we love being a part of that and just being where we feel like it's multiplying what we can do is we can send them out all over the island so we just want to take this opportunity this morning to thank you uh, for the many ways that the church here in North America blesses missionaries of course while we're traveling We are looking, one of the main reasons we're traveling is raising the support that we need to go back and live there uh, for a few more years. And um, that's what we're doing in the States right now, uh, where we need monthly support to allow us to live there because we can't get a job. The government there doesn't allow us to do that. When we uh, sign papers for our visa to live there as a missionary, uh, they ask us to sign papers that our support is coming from outside of Madagascar and that we're not taking anything from the country or from the church. Now, the church itself, they are giving ties and offerings just like we do here in the States. Uh, We teach tithes and offerings. The local churches support their pastor and all of the local ministries through their tithes and offerings. Uh, We have national offerings for each of these areas of ministry that we've uh, talked about. You have Mother's Memorial. We have She's for Christ, Save Our Children. Those are all things that we're doing in Madagascar, and they're very giving people. But I told you what minimum wage is. So um, they are doing what they can to, to do their ministries and as much as they can do. But for us to live there, for our travel expenses, for us to be able to be a part of different things that we're involved in, then our support needs to come from outside of Madagascar. So that's why we need monthly sponsors. But there's other ways that the church here in North America blesses us and other missionaries. I mentioned Mother's Memorial. That's the offering that the ladies do every year here in North America. It's also a great blessing to our Bible school. And then you have She's for Christ, which is the youth offering. So if you've ever done a car wash or something like that for She's for Christ, this next picture will show you one of the early She's for Christ vehicles in Madagascar. It was bought back in 
in the 70s by my husband's grandfather. It was a great blessing in, in starting the work there as they would travel. And you can see they're carrying the benches on top of the car. And then the next uh, slide shows a more recent Cheese for Christ vehicle, our four-wheel drive truck. Also a great blessing. Uh, the roads in Madagascar are really, 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 really bad. And uh, so you need four-wheel drive to get just about anywhere, even to get out to our Bible school during the rainy season. And so here they had been working on a project out at our Bible school. And then I think at this point they were just having fun. But I snapped a picture of them. So we do thank you for the many ways that you support missionaries around the world. And certainly prayer is one of those ways. And we do covet your prayers as we travel and, and go about uh, what we are doing there. Uh, so we have some prayer cards this morning. Uh, sitting on a table there in the back when you go out just grab one they're free for the taking you can sit them put them in your bible put them on your refrigerator uh, you can throw darts at it as long as you do them in jesus name we don't care uh, just remember to pray for madagascar and pray for the richardson family so please take one of those this morning also um, my daughter and i we we just have this hobby that we enjoy and that's taking pictures um, oh I forgot also on the prayer card there's information about our Facebook ministry page the next slide shows you you can find that on Facebook and on this card if you're interested in that but yeah my daughter and I we've taken thousands of pictures through the years uh, my husband gets quite frustrated because we fill up the computer hard drive and we have to buy more computer or more hard drives and put them all on this whatever thousands of pictures but Madagascar has such beautiful scenery and so uh, people would ask us do you have it in a book is there a way we can get your pictures and so we finally found a way to um, print just a small photo book uh, it's full of pictures of Madagascar there's pictures of flowers pictures of the people pictures of animals and uh, these are all pictures that my daughter and I took and uh, so if you would like one of those this morning uh, we have those available for five dollars so you can see us after church at the table and uh, you can take one of those home with you and just enjoy looking at the different pictures there so any questions you have please feel free to talk to us when service is over happy to answer any questions and just share with you about what god is doing in madagascar before i'm seated we will sing a chorus for you in malagasy he said to get the two on the left side i think that's what he said I hope I remembered that right. Um, we will sing a chorus for you in Malagasy just to give you an idea of what the language sounds like. People are often curious about the language and what it sounds like. So uh, we will sing for you and you can see if you can figure out what we're saying this morning. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise God for saving me. Amen. God bless you this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. As my wife said there, when service is over, then please do come and talk to us. Don't hesitate to ask us questions. That's what we're here for, to acquaint you with the work that we're doing. That way, if the Lord talks to you in this service about becoming a partner with us through this local church, that you'll kind of understand what you're being a part of. Uh, we've got uh, we've got these posters you can look at. We do have a, a presentation we'll show you at, 
after I preach, and it'll all give you information about what's going on there. So if the Lord talks to your heart about becoming a partner with us, then you, you know, just be sensitive to that. It doesn't take anybody having to do a whole lot, but just several people joining together and each giving a little bit. It enables this church to sponsor us and helps us get back to the field just a little bit quicker because we're looking forward to getting back over there and doing the work. So talk to us, ask questions. Uh, you might go to my wife and ask her a question she doesn't know the answer to, and if you do, she'll send you to me because I've been there longer. And if you come to me and you ask me a question I don't know the answer to, well, I'll send you to my daughter, Rache, because she was born there. And if she doesn't know the answer to it, then I've given her permission just to make something up because you're not going to know the difference anyway. There was a day and age we may have been able to get away with that. Never tried it, but, you know, we probably could have gotten away with that, but it's not now. Because as soon as we would try something like that, somebody would whip out their smartphone and they'd Google it and then they'd say, Brother Richardson, y'all said and here's what we found. So now if you ask us questions we don't know the answer to, we'll just have to tell you, get online and Google it. Google's your friend. You can probably find the answer to it there. But please do come and talk to us and, and ask us those questions and we will be more than happy to try to spend some time with you. Uh, another thing we do as, as we travel around, my wife mentioned there needing the monthly support, but we also look for help in, in specific projects through one-time donations. Uh, we've got a, a list of different projects we're raising funds for. We have like, we're always trying to help churches buy land and build buildings and you know you heard how the Malagasy church they're very involved in doing so many things and they give in their tithes and offerings and they they support the work of the day-to-day -day operations are taken care of by the church over there but there's you know with a dollar a day there's just not a whole lot of extra money so uh, while they do a great job sometimes they just can't quite accomplish everything they would like to so that's why we do raise those one-time donations just to have extra funds to assist them as they do certain projects. And like I said, sometimes you need to help them buy land and build buildings. And, you know, you can, in a country setting, you can help a church put a roof on their building or maybe buy land and, and build part of the building. We don't do the whole thing. We believe that they've got to do part of it as well. But we just assist them in that. But for $1,000, we can help a church put a roof on their building in, in a country-type setting. And then you get into two towns and cities, it goes up, you know, $5,000, $10,000, even up to $20,000. Just depends on what type of a, a project is going on. So that we raise funds for things like that. Another thing we raise funds for is uh, printing tracts. That's something that's really easy to do because uh, for, for a penny, we can print a tract in Madagascar. And then that gives somebody a a tool to hand to someone else. You know, here's here's the a tract that gives a little bit more explanation. I, the the person might not be able to explain real well by himself, but if he has that or she has that as a tool, then they can do that. So, like a dollar, that's a hundred tracks. Ten dollars would be a thousand tracks. Hundred dollars would be ten thousand tracks. So, you know, if you if you want to help in one of those projects, that's that's more more than fine with us. But another one that we really focus on is our Bible school. We felt that the Bible school is the key to the strength and the growth of our church there because we can train them and send them out and reach that, that nation with the gospel. So we're always trying to improve our existing campus and making it a better school. But we feel like the next thing we really need to do is to start a second school. Right now we've just got one school located in the center of the island. It's a big place. 
and the people are poor, so travel to that school is sometimes just impossible for some that would feel like they, they have a call and should go to Bible school. So what we want to do is eventually have a Bible school in each of the six regions. That way they'd be spread out around the island, closer to where the, the people are. But you can't go from one to six overnight. So what we'd like to do this next term is start our second school somewhere else on the island, probably towards the south, because it's still the more under-evangelized area. And what we've done is we came up with an easy way to raise funds for the Bible school. I've brought some bricks from Madagascar. Now, before you get too confused, this is not normal-sized bricks. If I had brought normal-sized bricks, I could have only brought a few of them. But I had my Bible school students make these bricks for me, miniaturized versions of the bricks that they use in Madagascar, made out of clay, just like the full-size ones. They fired them in a fire, just like they, they would the full-size ones, and actually even stamped on it, Bible school. So we will have these available after service if you want to be a part of the Bible school project. Then you can come and see us, and for every $50 donation, you can actually take one of these bricks home with you. So if the Lord tells you to get 10 of them, uh, you do the math, and you know he, he knows where you're at financially. He knows what you have need of. He knows you know what, what you're drawing from. But if he tells you to do something, you know it's just best to listen to him, because he knows. And he, he might be wanting to give you a blessing, but if you close up, then he can't give you that blessing. So, you know, I, I don't know what he might tell you, just one brick or ten bricks or, you know, whatever it is. And come and see us. We will have these available after service. Of course, you can talk to us, pick up a prayer card, pick up one of those photo books and, and connect with us that way. So, it, it's it, you know, it's great to be a part uh, of a work like Madagascar. Now, I do want to go to the Word of the Lord. I don't think any service is, is really complete without a little bit of preaching. And I would like to thank the special effects people for earlier on at the end of Sunday school, that, that test run where we woke everybody up because Brother Boyd, he's already said, you know, you know, just kind of watch the people and if you see them nodding off, then that means it's about time to, to close down. So we did that test run there because it woke everybody up real good. So if I see anybody nodding off, we're going to, we're going to try that again. That means I can probably preach for about three hours and keep everybody awake. No, I'm not going to do that. I done promised I wouldn't do that. Otherwise he's going to start charging us rent on something out there. So anyway, if you do have your Bibles and you'll turn with me, uh, I'd like to go to the Word of the Lord in Mark chapter 16, and we'll read verses 15 and 16. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, what's referred to many times as the Great Commission. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So here it tells us, go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's the commission. That's the purpose of the church. That's what church is all about. It's about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what our function is. And any time something else becomes the driving purpose of the church, then the church has gotten sidetracked and distracted and is no longer doing what they should really be doing. Now, it's great to have all kinds of other programs and, and so on and so forth, but outreach and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what church is all about. Now, this specific uh, verse here, verse number 15 Go to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's probably one of the most used verses of Scripture in any missionary service because, you know, right away, go to all the world 
and it, it takes our attention to the world. And when you start talking about a country like Madagascar, which is on the far side of the world, it's a, it's a good verse to use. But I, I want to, over the next few minutes, uh, make us realize that when it said go to all the world, it wasn't just saying go to the other side of the world or some place in the world that's a long way away. It said all the world. And so that would mean right here at home. That would mean your neighborhood. That would mean your place of, uh, of business, where you work, uh, where you go to school, and, and all that. That's part of the world. And so when it says all the world, it does truly mean all the world. And so we have a huge mission field of the world. And today, while we're missionaries appointed to the country of Madagascar, you're also missionaries right here to this community, or wherever it is that, that you live, that, that little community. You're a missionary there. And you're there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaiming the gospel is what each and every one of us should do more of than we have. If we're all honest with ourselves and we look at how we've been a witness and how we've uh, proclaimed the gospel, then we'll all have to be honest and say we haven't done enough. We haven't done nearly as much as we could have. And we'll, we'll, we'll be honest and say there's times we've even felt the Lord prompting us to talk to someone and you know we came up with an excuse why we couldn't do it they didn't really want to hear from us i don't know how to talk or you know whatever the excuse was and we we didn't do it we didn't witness to that person so we could never overemphasize the importance of sharing the gospel that's what church is about and jesus wants everyone to hear the gospel or the good news of salvation Everyone everywhere needs to hear it. Today we're, you know, we're celebrating uh, part of what makes our nation so unique. And all of those who, who gave their life to preserve the freedoms that we have and the rights that we have as U.S. citizens. We're blessed. We spend you know, multiple years at a time overseas and it's just not the same. And the, the patriotism and the, the national pride is not the same in so many countries. But to see those who would give themselves to keep our way of life here in the U.S., it's, it's, it's beautiful in one sense while it's sad in another. But you look at it and it all boils down to protecting our rights. Our rights that we have as U.S. citizens are are, you know, they're great. You look at the founding of our nation and the things that were set forth in the, the Bill of Rights and, and you know, the, the independence that we, we took and we, we said these are the things that are going to be basic rights for the, the, the country, for the citizens of this country. And then after that, we went through the process of amending those rights and, you know, some things that were left out or overlooked or not thought of in the beginning were added to that with those amendments. And those were great and wonderful things as well until to the point today it's quite frightening. They're going too far in all this amending stuff and rights and so on and so forth. They're trying to push some rights now that are so totally contrary to God's will and God's plan that it's frightening to see where we'll end up if we keep going down this road. But as of, as of now, we're still the best country in the world. We've got rights. But we need to realize that the rights that we enjoy, they're really just man-made. Now, I understand in the beginning, the, the men who met together and set those rights into place, most of them were God-fearing men, and a lot of the rights that they put into place were, were based on biblical principle, but they were still just man-made rights. 
But there are some God-given rights. And the, the most important God-given right I could ever think of would be the right that everyone has to be saved. Everyone everywhere has a right to be saved. And that right's not dependent upon who they are and whether they're good or bad. And it's, it's in spite of that. But the reason everyone has a right to be saved is because of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary when he died, shed his blood and died on that cross so that we might receive eternal life. His death made it our right to be saved. And then a right that goes hand in hand with the right to be saved would be the right to hear the gospel. Because someone can't be saved without hearing the gospel and being obedient to the gospel. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, it didn't just boom, save everybody, but it made salvation available for everybody. He did die for everyone, but then they have to hear the gospel and be obedient to the gospel in order to experience the salvation. That's why he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So God has provided the gospel as tool in his special way of reaching the world and giving them salvation. It's God's power to save all who will believe in what it says and fulfill its instructions in their life. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul, who had persecuted Christians and killed Christians when he had his conversion experience, he totally gave himself to proclaiming the gospel he was once so so much against. And he says here, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. Why? Because it's, it's God's power to save all who believe. And then he says to the Jew first, because that's where it started, but it wasn't just for the Jew, but it was also to the Greek or to the Gentile. To everyone else. And I'm thankful for that. That I can be a part of this, this wonderful experience and be, be able to be saved because of what Jesus did. Then in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 12, he reemphasizes the fact that it truly is for everyone because he says there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So he says, it doesn't matter who they are. Whether they're Jew, they're Greek, doesn't matter what language they speak, doesn't matter what color their skin is, it doesn't matter you know where they come from, doesn't matter how much or how little they have, it's for everyone. He's Lord over all. He's Lord of all. And he's rich to all that will call upon him. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. But then Paul starts asking a few questions. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So if they've never believed in him, how are they going to call on him? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So if they've never heard about him, how are they going to believe in him? And if they've never believed in him, how are they going to call on him? And of course, if they never call on him, how are they going to be saved? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If someone doesn't proclaim it to them, share it with them, give it, give it to them, how, how else are they going to hear it? And if they never hear it, how will they believe it? 
And if they never believe it, how are they going to call on him? And of course, if they never call on him, there's no hope for salvation. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, I know some might be tempted right there to say, well, that's talking about you, Brother Richardson. You've been sent by the United Pentecostal Church International to be a missionary to the country of Madagascar. And while that's true and that might be part of it, that's really not what that's talking about. In fact, I'd like to tie it back to what we read in Mark. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Who was he talking to? Well, he was talking to the disciples of that day, yes. But he was giving us there the purpose of the church. And he was talking to all disciples throughout all time. You make it personal and say he was talking to me. When I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, then what does it tell us? You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. The power of the Holy Ghost is given to us to, yes, first of all, save us, uh, deliver us from sin, help us to overcome sin and live a life that way. But another primary function of the Holy Ghost is to empower us to be a witness to those around us and share the gospel with them. So we've got the power of the Holy Ghost and it's sending us. Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And while the Lord may not have called you to go to Madagascar or some other foreign exotic land, if he has, you better get ready and go because you'll never be at peace otherwise. But he's got you right here at home in this community to reach out to those around you. Some of us have to go because that's where the Lord has sent us. But some stay. And together, working together, we reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how shall they preach except they've been sent? We have been sent. We've been sent to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to our world so that people will hear it. And when they hear it, hopefully we've shared it in the right way that they will believe what we've shared with them. They will receive that gospel. And when they hear it, they will believe and then call on Jesus. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to get a glimpse of this world the way Jesus saw it. In Matthew chapter 9, we find where Jesus saw a crowd of people. But in verse number 36, it shows us the, the reaction, the response that he had when he saw the crowd. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So he saw the crowd of people and he had compassion on them because when he saw them, what they looked like to him was a group of sheep without a shepherd. And without a shepherd, the sheep aren't going to stay together. They're going to get scattered. And when they get scattered, there's really no hope for them. They're doomed. They're going to die. And so he said, when he saw this, this multitude, he had compassion because here are hopeless people like scattered sheep. But then he turned to his disciples and he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So he saw the crowd of people and he turned to his disciples and he said, I don't know if he used any hand motions or not, but in my mind I kind of picture him doing it. The harvest is plenteous. 
There's plenty of harvest. What we lack are laborers. And that's what we truly do lack. Our laborers. I want to tell you there's no shortage of harvest. There's plenty of harvest to be had. The only thing that limits the harvest inside any church congregation and seeing revival within any church is the number of people within that congregation who get involved in sharing the gospel with those around them. You increase the number of people who share the gospel who become laborers in the field, then you're going to increase the number of new souls brought into the church. And so the Lord didn't tell them to pray for revival. He didn't tell them to pray for the souls. He didn't tell them to, you know, pray that they would come in. I've heard people pray that way, and I've probably done it myself, and you've heard them. Lord, give us revival. Lord, send souls our way. That's really not what we're supposed to be praying. But what he tells us to pray, pray that the Lord would send forth laborers. When's the last time we prayed that? Well, it's a whole lot easier to say, Lord, give us revival. And then when the revival doesn't happen, we'll say, well, he must not have really wanted it anyway. <laughs> but when we start praying, Lord, send forth laborers, it gets a little bit frightening. We get uncomfortable. Why? Because we, we're afraid there might be some big booming voice come out of heaven with a clap of thunder and say, Well, what about you? And then we can't ignore it anymore. Then we can't say, Well, I prayed for revival. Pray for laborers. Lord, send forth laborers. Because if you increase the number of laborers, the revival is going to happen. The souls will be brought in. And so we pray that the Lord would send forth laborers. And then we need to have the spirit of Isaiah, which would say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. If you can use me for anything, wherever it might be, whatever it might be, however big or however seemingly small, if you can use me, use me, Lord. I want to be a tool in your hand. I want to reach out to my world with your gospel and bring hope to my world and see their lives changed as they hear the truth and then give themselves to that and repent of their sins and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's what the church is all about. Whether it be here at home, or whether it be on the far side of the globe, that's what the church is all about. And that's what we should be all about. Amen. I want to show you a presentation on Madagascar. You'll hear some of the information we've shared with you already, but it re- re-emphasizes a few things. You'll see a little bit about the country and the people, uh, their smiling faces. And they've got a strange version of a, of a religion. If you've ever been in a, in a missionary service of a missionary from Madagascar any time over the years, then uh, you will remember it once you see it, They're the ancestral worship. And at the end of this presentation, though, you'll see some, some pictures from our, our conference just last year and, and people in an altar. As they repent of their sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. 
And while you're here, you don't know Madagascar, Malagasy, because you've never been to Madagascar, never studied it. But you'll see that the people here, they're not speaking Malagasy. And you'll understand that very easily. But they're speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And that's what this church is about. Bringing people to that experience in their life. So worship the Lord together while we see what's happening in the country of Madagascar. Why don't we just stand to our feet and let's thank the Lord for what's happening in Madagascar and around the world. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Madagascar. We thank you, Lord, for what your gospel is accomplishing around this world. And, Lord, we thank you that you've given each of us the opportunity to experience that, but also to be a part into sharing your gospel with our world, with those around us, Lord, and with those that are a long way away, that we can be a part of making sure the gospel is preached. We thank you, Lord, that you're patient with us. We thank you, Lord, that even though we get distracted sometimes and we we get busy with life, that you continually remind us that our true purpose and our true function should be to proclaim your gospel to those around us. And so, Lord, we ask you to help us. Work on us, Lord. Stir us up, O God. Make us into the tool that you need, into the vessel that you need to make sure that your gospel is preached. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you've come here today and you haven't yet experienced what you saw there at the end, I want to let you know it's real. And if you're hungry for that, you can actually receive that today. You could be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost right this very service. It's up to you. If you're here today and you've already experienced that, you've already been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, but you've kind of gotten cold and you need to draw closer to Him, today is a day that that can happen for you. Or maybe you think you're doing pretty good serving the Lord, but then as the Word of God went forth, then you realized, you know, I've gotten a little bit selfish about it all. And I've got plenty of time for myself, but I've not got a whole lot of time for the Lord. And you come up with excuses as to why you're not the witness that you need to be. And you say you don't have time, that you don't have money. But the, the amazing thing is, is if it's something you want to do, you find the time. And if it's something that you really want, you come up with the money, even if that means going into debt. And so maybe the Lord sent me this way today to remind you, our world is waiting on us. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And that's what's eternal. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter how much stuff you can accumulate. How much fun you can have. But it's about sharing this gospel with someone. So that their lives can be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I want to do my part. How about you? I think it would be in order if we, at the close of this service, if you're here and you want to recommit yourself to the Lord, you want to recommit yourself to the cause of what the church is supposed to be all about, and that's sharing the gospel with the world. Or maybe you're here and you haven't yet experienced it for yourself. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to give your life to Jesus Christ, whether it be for the first time, or whether it be again, and allow Him to have complete control 
of our life. This altar is open. And if you want to make your way to this altar and commit yourself to Jesus afresh, or for the first time, I invite you to come. I invite you to make your way to the front and say, Here I am, Lord. Whatever you want to do in my life, I need you. I need your strength. I need your spirit. I need you to work in my life and make me what you want me to be. Oh, can we just go to the Lord in prayer this morning and commit ourselves to Him. Give ourselves to Him. Here I am, Lord. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you everything that I am. That you're in control, Jesus. You are in control. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord God, you see each and every one as we come before you today. Oh, Lord God, we thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.